Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Beautiful and Bothered with me, Johnny Ross. My guest today is Trevor Barrett, a fellow boy in beauty. I love talking to another guy in beauty because nobody can really bond with you over what that's like unless you do it. He is a makeup artist and content creator with over 1.4 million followers across social media. He started sharing his love of makeup artistry when he was just 15 years old in high school, which is insane to me because I'm 10 years older than him and I wish I was that brave. I really enjoyed researching him before we had our interview and then during the interview, I learned so many amazing things about him. It's always really cool for me being older to learn about like this new generation of content creators and just younger people in general and how they carry themselves on social media and what their relationship with social media is. It's really fascinating. I think the confidence level is night and day compared to us millennials or people older. It's just so incredible to see, especially someone like him whose goal is to create makeup artistry and content with a message, working to redefine what it means to be an influencer, whether he's teaching his followers how to do beautiful, effortless, everyday looks, or pushing the boundaries with super artistic, creative looks. And truly, people like Trevor are doing so much to redefine the beauty industry, what we expect from our creators, the integrity, the honesty, and certainly the talent level. So I enjoyed talking to Trevor so much. So let's dive right on into my interview with Trevor Barrett. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I am doing so good. Thank you for having me. Also, you did your homework. Oh my gosh. I did, yes, really I did. deep dive. <laughs> any article I could find, I followed you for a while now, but any video I could find, oh. yes, I'm obsessed with what you do. Well, thank you so much. I mean, congratulations to all your success. You're killing it. Thank I'm you really so excited much. To be here. This is my this is my first podcast. What? So, yeah, I know. This is I'm losing my podcast virginity. Really? Oh my god, I'm so honored. <laughs> thank you. I have to say, I am so impressed with what you have done and what you are doing at such a young age. Like, I wish I had the confidence to do that when I was 15 to, to, you know, to start out. Taking it back to the beginning, where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up um, where I'm still currently living, which is Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Ooh. So, you know, East Coast. I don't think I was too far from you. I mean, you said you were in Jersey. So mm-hmm. um, I'm sure you probably had like a similar a similar vibe to, to school and everything. But I'm still pretty close to my hometown. It's, believe it or not, as of this year, if you Google number one place to retire in the country, it's Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I'm like, really? Yeah, so it's here. So you get the vibes. It's cute, but a little sleepy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I do enjoy living here. You know, my family and friends are here, but I'm sure we had a bit of a similar experience. I mean, I'm guessing, but, you know, I went to a more conservative school here. Yeah, it was really interesting, you know, doing makeup. So I was going to ask before the schooling of it all, what was your childhood like? Were, were your parents creative? Where did you get that bug from? No idea. <laughs> yeah. No clue. Um, yeah. I love both my parents. I'm very close with them and they're very, very supportive. So I'm so happy to have them. But no, my dad is talented, but neither of them are artistic in any sense, way, shape or form. So okay. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, that's amazing that they were supportive. That's great, especially growing up in Pennsylvania. And I was Western New Jersey, practically Pennsylvania. Um, Yeah, it was much more of a conservative town. But on top of it, you know, I think how you're 20 years old, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm 30. So I said 10 years uh, older. And so even back then, I know it was just a different mindset. But it's not like it's 
much better. So what was your school experience like? Did you express the artistic kind of outlet in makeup in school or just in general? What was your, what are kind of some of the things you went through? It was really a unique experience. I mean, I think I didn't start my page until I was in probably 10th grade. Now, of course, I was experimenting with makeup before. And it was a very interesting battle because I fell in love with makeup. I think like a lot of us do because we're insecure. We want to, you know, achieve a different look at first, which is certainly what I was trying to do. But that look wasn't better because, girl, I was wearing like, you know, like the worst, the worst makeup applied with no skill. Oh, my God. Like it was just drawing attention in the worst way. So, yes. A very weird, unhealthy relationship with makeup for a while. But anyway, I mean, thankfully, my school wasn't terrible in the sense of like direct bullying. I, mm-hmm. I'm thankful to say like I'm, you know, I'm okay that way. It didn't, it wasn't the worst thing, but it certainly didn't help. You know what I yeah. mean? Socially, I was much more reserved. I was much to myself, and I went through some phases of being really timid about it. Then I think mm-hmm. in like junior year, I was like not goth, but very like it was. Yeah. A very different vibe because I was basically like just trying to shove it in your face like, okay, this is, you know, who I'm going to be and, you know, trying to embody that badass persona, but it wasn't really. Once it started to turn into something a little bit bigger than like, you know, just a hobby, it did create a lot of social challenges in school from, you know, losing some friends to some possible fake friendships. Even myself, I mean, I think that everybody on social media has a moment where it goes to your head a little bit. Yeah that everybody at some point eventually has a moment of realization and comes back down to earth or yeah. most people should hope. Yeah. So, you know, high school is such a weird time already. So throw that into the mix. Yeah. It's really weird. So you said you were in 10th grade when you started doing it. Did it take off in a way, but while you were still in high school, like notably, yeah. Mm-hmm. Social media is the peak currency, like to have followers in that way. So I imagine there was a lot of ups and downs. What, what kind of transpired after that? Because, it, you know, because I was big in makeup and yeah. I was a guy in makeup, I feel like I lost a lot of, uh, I don't want to say, a cool credibility. Mm. You know what I mean? Okay. It was a little bit weird for a yeah. lot of people to take it. Yeah. See, I, I still don't view it. I don't view myself as a large creator or mm-hmm. very influential. But in the sense of high school, yeah, right, it seems a lot bigger than it is. So people would make it a bigger deal than it really, really was or that it, that it needed to be, you know? Yeah. And that just kind of leads to other issues, but... Totally. Well, I can't imagine because I think in high school, speaking to my own experience as a gay boy in high school, the last thing I wanted was attention. Let alone, you know, so someone being like, oh, he Trevor has a lot of followers. He does this. That heat and attention in those formative years definitely presented challenges. And I love that you mentioned expressing yourself externally because I, I had such a similar experience where I really didn't come out... Yeah. You know, officially, everybody knew I was gay since I was like seven. But <clears throat> my my first album I ever listened to in my Walkman was Believe by Cher. And I knew every word to it, so it wasn't a secret. When I was in college, I, I took a psychology class and there was a description of kind of the uh, adolescent development model of gay children. And it was, I forget what it was called, but it, it hit the nail on the head for me where it really explained that you know, when you come out, the stage was called pride, meaning you wanted to be as gay as you could be. You wanted everybody in the world to know who you were. And it was so funny because I went through that where, you know, I dyed my hair blonde horribly and it just looked horrendous. Then the next phase was basically realizing that you can be who you want to be despite having to advertise that or, and not advertise it because people like to weaponize that word, but without having to wear it on your sleeve, you can just be a person that happens to be gay. And I felt so uncomfortable sometimes, even where I was like, wait, maybe I do want to wear 
a flannel shirt or more masculine clothes, I almost felt more uncomfortable to do that than I did maybe more gayer or feminine clothes. Like, so what was that process? Did you have any relation with that after high school or, you know? I didn't get to come out. I was unfortunately outed in like ninth grade. So, yeah, because I had a a very conservative and (laughs) looking back homophobic friend, Uh, like girlfriend, female friend. Yeah. I don't know if it was a thing of like me obviously not wanting to reciprocate a relationship or something. Mm -hmm. I don't really know. So that's how that happened. And then, yes, after that, I totally agree. It was like an explosion of like, okay, I'm going, you know, all out. And my parents are very supportive now, but my dad certainly took some time to come around. It wasn't something that was like immediately accepted. It was a lot of like questioning, a lot of, I think, just parental concern. So I was very like closed off for them for a while. But yeah, I mean, you know what? It worked out okay. I'm not glad that I was outed, but in a way it kind of expedited the process of me, you know, finding myself. Yeah. And that's interesting because I don't think I realized how much it blew up in high school. What was the first maybe video or just kind of uh, attention that your content was getting that you kind of had the holy shit moment, this could maybe be a thing? That is a fantastic question. Honestly, the moment that comes to mind was quite a few years ago. And I already had, I think, over like 100K at that time. But it was I was still, I think it was 11th grade. And Naked Tutorials did one of my looks. Mm. on youtube and then you know, posted it. yeah on, on on instagram love her by the way it wasn't specifically that video but i feel like that moment just everything after that it really really like expanded yeah to a newer level and then i was like okay this this can really turn into something and i can really you know do something with this yeah um, before it was really just for fun and then you know, I had some benefits of a, an occasional PR package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw you just met, I don't know if that was the first time you met her, but you just went to a Maybelline event. Yeah. Was that the first time you met Nikki? It was, it was. How was that? Did you yeah, did you bring yeah. the video up? I, I did briefly. I was like, thank you so much for that, even though it was so many years ago. And I know it, is, it, was, so, it was so cool to meet both of them. Oh, yeah. Um, they were super sweet. Yeah, Michaela is a sweetheart. I've met her, um, but yeah, I've not met Nikki yet, which I'm, you know, one day I want to have her on the pod. We're like the same height. It's not funny. I was like, oh, do I Yeah. <laughs> so following high school, did you, are you in school now or did you want to go to school, like college after high school? No, so I didn't go to school. Good uh, for you. college after high school. Yeah. <laughs> I have absolutely nothing against it, but I don't even know what I'd go for. Yeah. You know, thankfully, actually, my school was, maybe not all the students were the most accepting, but the some of the administrators certainly were mm-hmm. and my senior year I actually got to do half days mm. and they let me at the other like half of the school day I got to leave early and basically work even though I didn't really work but yeah I was allowed to go you know work so I was really appreciative of that and of course my senior year was cut short COVID yeah so you know that all shut down and yeah. then had a weird fake graduation and I just kind of continued working doing my own thing wow that's amazing. It's fascinating to me to get to talk to somebody that started as young as you did, but has really been doing this over the past four and a half, five years. I've really only been doing it as a creator for probably the past two, but obviously I've been obsessed with it and consuming content for the past 10 years. So as a creator that's actually been making videos and on the space, what are some changes that you've seen since you started as far as the kind of content you've been making, the entire flow of the beauty industry, what your audience or audiences in general kind of have maybe shifted and what they're expecting. Oh my gosh, yeah. Everything 
has changed so much and so fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. But first of all, also, congratulations. I mean, oh my gosh, two years. You're doing so good. Thank you. Hell, I'm not even on a million on platform yet. God, I need to hurry it up. No, no, not at all. Well, you we'll know what? We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I give you more, I, believe it or not, I give you a lot of credit because I think a, a lot of people may know this about me already, but I think the reason it's been quicker for me was because I was really fed up with just making beauty content and trying to make that happen because I think as a guy, and I believe I read this in a in a print uh, interview you had done, was before TikTok, it was impossible to really grow on Instagram and YouTube. They had all the content they needed, they didn't need new people, and that was it. And to add insult to injury as a guy doing this, go to any beauty brand's Instagram page. You're lucky if one guy is refeatured at once a month, at once every couple months. Yeah. You're not getting that exposure the way other people are. So I really started making the comedy videos as a Trojan horse to, to get my face and makeup in front of people, but it was a more viral kind of a thing. But there's times that it's challenging for me because I feel like I'm too comedy for makeup and too makeup for comedy. You building what you built making just your amazing makeup content is very difficult. So I, and especially starting when you did, so it it all comes out in the wash, but yeah. So what are some of the changes over the past couple of years? Gosh, well, so not only have we obviously seen a massive change in the makeup style and trends. I mean, when I started in 2017, yikes, (laughs) it was, it was a lot. It was crazy. Um, Just, you know, the heavy makeup, the cut creases, Mm -hmm. the, the drama of it all, the 2016 brows. So obviously we've seen a big shift in the makeup artistry style. And I will say too, though, when I started, it was kind of the era of beauty boys, I want to say. Mm-hmm. So it was like this huge, just blooming, because it was really new to social media, new to the internet of beauty boys. And there was a sense of, um, obviously people admired the talent and liked you know, a lot of girls and guys didn't care, but there was also just a huge intrigue and fascination mm-hmm. from a lot of people. Just like, oh, what is this? Yeah. Like just some negative, some positive, some just kind of interested. Yeah. But there were so many on Instagram. So it was very easy to kind of grow and reach people than just being a beauty boy. And again, that style of makeup was very heavy. So it was a lot of very like, not shocking, but, you know, surprising looks. And I did start with more, not necessarily special effects, mm-hmm. but more avant-garde, a lot more creative makeup looks compared to what I do now, for sure. As I said in that interview, right, the growth of TikTok has really killed a lot of Instagram creators and Instagram growth. I don't think that's for, I think that's fine. I think a uh, shift needed to change. Yeah. But it's been really interesting to see how the the large wave of influencers that I started with, I mean, some certainly took off on TikTok and continued to grow. A lot did not. I was at Sephora like 2015, 2016, and it was beauty boy madness. I've noticed at least that there is a, almost a rebirth in the sense that there was so much drama and so much fallout and mistrust that I think TikTok really was the thing a lot of people needed to be reintroduced to the beauty community in a way that felt a little bit more maybe authentic or trustworthy did you is that something you saw from the your instagram days into your tiktok days absolutely yeah and i think tiktok is a beautiful thing because anybody can be influential you have to be authentic you have to be relatable whereas instagram you know it's picture perfect it's face tuned it's perfected professional studio content was was the thing. Yeah, and I get it. People want to see more authentic, reasonable content that they can relate to and that they can recreate. And that's what I specialize in now is doing like, you know, easy to follow tutorials, things that are realistic. So yeah, that's, that's really changed. And that's why a lot of people aren't able to do with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why so many people 
and normal people have grown so quickly. Yeah. I think it's good. I think it's more power to the people. I mean, I think we've seen how just regular people can influence change with huge companies or brands or yeah. you know, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, totally. I saw a couple months ago, Manny MUA posted, he was on Fox News about how boys in the beauty industry are, quote, stealing jobs from women. So that's a, a new take. And a lot of cultural tone is having your masculinity questioned all the time. My dad is a contractor and taught me how to like, you know, work on cars, change tires, retile a bathroom, and people see what I do. And you get those comments of people who probably take that at face value and question your masculinity. So what has your experience been like with maybe people doing that to you and accusing you of being maybe less masculine because of what you do? Yeah, who said I was gay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love women. <laughs> yeah, it's always interesting. I mean, um, every time I go live or do anything, I mean, I always get those comments. Uh, I will say TikTok's more positive, too. Instagram used to be so, so negative. Horrible. Horrible. You know what? No, I, I'm i pretty comfortable with it now, personally. It takes a lot of years, but, I mean, hate comments don't really affect me anymore, thankfully. Yeah. I'm very comfortable with my masculinity now because, honestly, I don't know what it is like for you, but mm -hmm. for me, I love teaching makeup. I love doing makeup. But I don't, I don't think I look better with makeup. I prefer how I look without makeup. I don't wear makeup out ever, really, yeah. pretty much. I feel more confident without it. Mm -hmm. This is the face I got to work with. I don't have a model that just lives in my bedroom. I can't just, you know, do her all the time. So sorry, guys, you're going to see my face. Exactly. Yeah, I'm a guy. Ugh. People I talk to, different um, male beauty boys, definitely have a different relationship with makeup than I do, though. So I, what's your, like, yeah. take on it? Yeah, I'm very similar to you where I don't go out into the world, like, presenting myself as somebody, unless I'm going to, like, a beauty event or whatever the case is where, you know, right. that's the yeah. thing. But no, I'm I, when I'm going to ShopRite, I'm not, you know, in full beat. I'm in the same boat as you where it, I really don't have to deal with it, if you will, in the outside world. Mm -hmm. Something as well that I think everyone can relate to is constantly comparing yourself to the accomplishments of other people or just comparing yourself the way you look, et cetera, your friends. And yeah. as an influencer, I think, or even a content creator, someone who is uh, works on social media, I think that is such a big downside of the job because we're constantly comparing ourselves to the way other people are looking or the way we're looking or how our content is performing compared to other people. So what is your kind of relationship with that? Have you, is that something you still do where you've gotten a handle on? And if so, you know, how? Absolutely. The comparison thing, you know, happens in everyday life. And then especially on social media, it's something that I've struggled with forever. I mean, uh, again, I was, I had a really larger moment on Instagram and then as Instagram faded, it took me a long time to kind of pick things up on TikTok. And I'm so thankful for TikTok because that's um, kind of helped to bring some life back into my love of makeup and, mm. and my career. But I will say absolutely. I mean, I think that it's a constant battle of figuring out, you know, should I be doing something more trendy? Should I be doing what I want to mm -hmm. do? Should I be doing what people are telling me to do? You know, what type of video, what type of makeup look, what am I doing wrong? And it just was always like, well, I see this person, they're growing faster than me or this video did better, but I did something similar. It's like, so it, it gets in your head a lot. I mean, I went to like a year of therapy and all sorts of things to try to get a, a better grip on dealing with it. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, I would really start to value myself and even my day. Like if my video did well, I'd have a good day. If it did terribly, I would have a bad day. And that's just not a healthy way to live yeah. or feel. And um, thankfully, this last year has been a lot better for me personally. I don't know. You're still um, a fresher creator, yeah. so I hope you never go through it. But I, gosh, for at least probably two years, especially after COVID, I view this fully as a job. Yeah. Like, 
I was doing the bare minimum of content required. I was like, okay, what's my, you know, fucking post this week, do a brand deal here, do this there, just doing the bare minimum. So I was not growing. I wasn't finding much joy anymore. I stopped doing creative looks and yeah, but for anyone who wants to be successful either, oh my gosh, just do what makes you happy because that is the whole point of life, at least in my opinion. And you will succeed when you enjoy making content, when you have a good time doing yeah. it. Because when you stop having a good time doing it, it's going to show and you're going to you're, you're gonna suck. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, numbers can make it feel good. So maybe that's worth it enough, but you've got to be, you've got to enjoy doing it or it's so not yeah. worth it. You know, a, a lot of people who are in this business are maybe very afraid to share the downsides of it or the difficulties because, you know, it's constantly perceived or there's a tendency for it to be perceived as though you're complaining about this winning the lottery in a way. And when you start to maybe go down a path of catching a fish every now and again, you're completely on your own because there's really no one to talk to to say, okay, what do I do next? How do I do it? And navigating that dark tunnel is very difficult to do. And like I said, I give you so much credit for starting so young. There's this constant narrative of any influencer you lay eyes on is trying to sell, sell, sell. And it's aggravating to me because as somebody that out of probably thousands of videos I've made, I don't know, 10 of them have been brand collaborations. And even if it is, it's something I know I like. There's almost this shift in responsibility where it's like, if you if someone's doing a get ready with me and you like the way the blush looks and you go out and buy the blush, you didn't have to buy the blush. And it's almost being turned around now as though everyone is trying to sell you something. And I don't even really care about that because if people want to accuse you of that, that's fine. But the reason I bring this up is I can't even really make educational videos or I question when I am just teaching people how to use a color corrector because you constantly feel like people are thinking you're trying to sell them something or do that to them? Like, how do you, how do you kind of walk that tightrope? It definitely can be tricky. I know I've dealt with it recently. I didn't even know it was a thing on TikTok, but I had like three of my videos reported for being sponsored, like thinking it was an ad and it wasn't, but that halts the the growth of the video. It kills it. I even, I didn't miss, I missed the notification for like a week. I'm like, oh, well, great. That's why that video stopped going. You know, I think people have valid reasons to be hesitant because yeah. in the past, with been Instagram, Kardashians, and all that stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of disclosed sponsorships. So I yeah. think people are always like, ah. but I would say don't pay too much attention about it. Like, just kind of like, do your own thing. If some people think that, so what? I've had so many people, if, if any viral video, they're like, oh, he's being paid. Or he's being paid to say that. It's not real. It's not like, yeah, just... Like it's not, guys. You guys are like 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 stretching it so far. Sometimes I know, and that's the thing we talked about. Kind of the death and rebirth. I think a lot of those old influencers and the old guard they abused it so much because they really were the first generation that it is. I don't know. It's that much more difficult to kind of almost gain the trust of everybody back and just you know kind of be like, nope, just just showing you how to put on lashes. Like, <laughs> um, there's no ulterior yeah. motive. But that being said, I think people who do watch you, and I hope people that watch me, I think we we really do work hard to kind of get that trust back. And it is a very overwhelming time where makeup is really starting to feel very fast fashion-y. There is so much 
junk oh God, being yeah. coming out very quickly and it, it's a lot of turn and burn. And so I, I do understand how people feel very overwhelmed by it. So, you know, what, what would you say to somebody who maybe wants to get into beauty, but is just feeling very kind of overwhelmed at maybe where to start or how to navigate it? It is overwhelming, especially right now with products. It's so oversaturated. I remember when we had like two colorful eyeshadow palettes in the market and now we have 13 million. For anyone, I mean, interested in, in starting in, in beauty, whether it's on social media or not, I mean, use social media as a tool when and where you can. I think it's it's a valid and powerful online portfolio to have. But as I said earlier, I mean, I know it's, it doesn't always pay the bills, but do what makes you happy in the sense of social media. Don't feel like you have to do a certain style of content or you have to do a certain type of fancy editing or anything. I mean, I worked at Ulta and I would also recommend anybody really interested to learning makeup and my products to go work in a store at least for a little bit. Yeah. You get to deal with people in your life, but then also touch and feel and learn all about products. I also yeah. um, do weddings. I've done that for years um, on the side, you know, doing um, bridesmaids and things like that. So freelancing is a great way to get into it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You just have to do it. I mean, I didn't go to beauty school. I don't always recommend it, but it does work for some people. But I know it's yeah. a little bit tricky for just makeup. So I think you can be self-taught. I know I'm self-taught. I, are you, I assume? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. started on, I uh, really taught myself on YouTube. And then I would say um, I started at Sephora about a year later. And then Sephora is really where I learned a lot from the other artists and watching them and just the hands-on experience was really invaluable to, especially learning to do other people's makeup and it's funny, I can kind of, especially on social media, I can tell the content creators that have done makeup on other people, opposed to maybe the ones that really just are makeup enthusiasts that have only maybe done it on themselves, because there is that right. attention to, okay, I know this is going to be right for this person, or this is maybe not me, but I can, I can picture exactly the kind of age or skin type that this would work on. And I think that comes yeah. across very much in your content. I think people really appreciate that. Even people who are trying, the, the regular consumer that's trying to get into beauty that feels super overwhelmed. I always try to tell people like, you know, find a creator that maybe does a style that you enjoy or explains thing in a way that is very digestible or uh, steers you towards maybe affordable options. You know, you're very good at creating and helping people with everyday looks and everyday problems and the how to's of it all. And I think that's why you really do have such a dedicated following. And how do you uh, choose maybe or, or the aspects of either the the everyday that help and that nurturing of the your followers to kind of guide them or the really creative over the top editorial stuff, which you are also incredible at. What's your relationship with both of those styles? It's difficult. I think it goes back to um, the trends of social media and yeah. mental health and personal creativity. I would say I get more satisfaction and I see a uniquely high, um, higher engagement with people when I am teaching mm -hmm. and when I'm actually able to help. And I mean, I'm not teaching new things. It's yeah. things that I've learned on YouTube years and years ago. But I think TikTok is newer there and people like it. And, you know, we have the attention spans of goldfish now. So yeah. it's really nice for I think people to get education in a really quick little 60 second or less um, clip. Yeah. So I get a lot of satisfaction from helping people and, and reading comments saying that this, like they're going to try out this look or this, this actually helped them because I feel like that helps to break the wall of being like a, another unattainable or unrelatable influencer or, yes. or makeup enthusiast. Um, yeah. 
I still love and appreciate creative makeup looks. And I have to say, actually, I have had a lot, a lot of creators I was mutual with, a lot of like makeup artists that I was mutuals with mm-hmm. unfollow mm. um, and follow me. Yeah, it's kind of like, and I get a little bit bummed, and I even go to like the makeup show sometimes. Um, and I, because lo- I'm like, I still love those artistic looks. Yeah. But well, on my page, it's like it's mostly easy, easy to do stuff, and it's not really like people don't realize I like that anymore. Yeah. Or they don't really follow for the inspiration anymore. So mm. I get torn. I'm like, oh, I want to go do those creative looks again, show people, give people inspiration, show people I'm still like talented at this stuff, so they want to follow. But then yeah. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm I'm happier to help real life normal people yeah and give them content benefiting you know benefiting from yeah i stopped doing the creative looks because kind of just like mental health i'm like i would much rather sit here and teach you how to do a three second wing liner than record for like four hours doing an alien look like yes i got so burnt out like yeah. ridiculously burnt out oh my god i love like gabrielle alexis mm-hmm. abby roberts all the creators who can do those insane looks yeah it's beautiful but yeah, yeah at the same time i think there's, there's there's a lot of benefit to being relatable and to being very widespread mm-hmm. yeah well, i think it's the only reason that i still have a job in this <laughs> field yeah you bring up such an interesting point because i read the other day someone really kind of analyzing social media in general and maybe what it's doing to our attention spans and i i think it's also seeping over into how we're treating people in real life in the sense that you know you saying you're getting you got unfollowed by people maybe because they couldn't solely just use what you were doing for inspiration it's almost kind of like okay well fuck you because you obviously weren't following me for me you were like just following me to look at what i was doing and i think that's the symptom of social media is that it's almost creating this problem where unless someone has instant value to them immediately we discard people as we do as like unfollowing someone, people really are starting to prioritize who someone is. And I like this person as a person first. And then what they are doing happens to be a bonus. And I think there's challenges to that as well. But at the end of the day, I'd rather kind of be under that security blanket because I think it's a much more healthy approach that's that someone really is following you for you and whatever content you make they enjoy because they enjoy you. Yeah. And, and that that's really something I even notice from doing the everyday and doing the, the educational content is you really build a better relationship with people when Absolutely. You, you're helping them. It, it feels much more community-based and put together with your audience. Now heading into 2023, I know we, we spoke another time and you mentioned that you can't say too much about it, but I believe you have a collaboration with a brand coming up yes yes i can't say anything i'm super specific yet but i'm so excited i've been working on it for my gosh like it'll be two years by the time it launches so it's been a very very long long process but i'm so excited about it because it's going to be supporting some things i genuinely care about and it will be launching well we'll say for an lgbt focus reason okay i'm really excited to to get it out there i'm i'm hoping i'm never just my first one i've never done a collaboration have you collaborated anybody yet Uh, well it will come don't worry It's a lot of pressure to to sell something, especially in an oversaturated market like this. So I'm nervous, but I'm excited. What are maybe some of the exciting things or things you learned working on it or kind of maybe seeing how the sausage is made behind the scenes? Like, was there any other any other bug you caught like from it? I'm still learning so much every day about it. I mean, and I'm hoping to learn more and more as we get closer to launching it. Gosh, it's really interesting. I didn't realize until recently um, 
how, you know, every brand, they really source things from all over the world in terms of like which laboratory they're using mm. or which factory they want to produce a formula with and also emulating each other, yeah. which I think we've always seen. We always see trends like, oh, one day, you know, one brand releases a, I don't know, certain shade of eyeshadow and then every other brand mm-hmm. follows. But I mean, from literally sending like samples of what I like mm-hmm. and then wow. getting like an almost identical replica, I was like, oh my gosh, you'd be, like, I didn't realize how closely sometimes brands copy yeah. or not that it's necessarily copying, but it can be really close. Yeah. Um, but also guys and, and people at home too, and maybe I shouldn't say this because I'm obviously making something and I promote a lot of different products, but Oh my goodness! The majority of every makeup is so so very much the same. I know, I know. Let's like, say it. Don't worry. It like um, <laughs> yeah. Let's let's buy, be brave. Like, you don't need yeah. Four, yeah. yeah, you don't need like four cream blushes. I promise you. Even like even drugstore to high end, most of the time it is very 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 yes. similar. I mean, I think there's a couple unique benefits. Pay for a brand with a message that you support and a vibe that you like. Pay for something you know with packaging you like. But my goodness, is it is it the same? So I would love to know. I would love to know which brands have like the same formulas yes. or the same like production. I, I still kind of believe in the in the Kylie ColourPop theory. I know they're made in the same place. They say that it's separated, but I'm like, I know. I did the they're made next to each other. I y'all are making the, it's the same yeah. things. Yeah. So just yeah. you know, consumers know. Well, that. <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, during the holidays, I literally could have built a house with the amount of ColourPop PR packages I got. And I'll say it, the Muppets collaborations, Saved by the Bell, uh, whatever. Like someone this year must have figured out that collaborating with Warner Brothers and Paramount Studio was the thing to do. Because if I see one more TV show or movie collaboration, it's crazy. It's wild because it's like, I know they're like the Muppets, for instance. It was like, I thought to myself, I'm like, where does that Venn diagram overlap that Psycho Muppet fans are also makeup fans and are running to Ulta to buy this palette? I hate to say it, but I feel like a lot of brands have gone so overkill and, and gone like fast fashion with mm-hmm. makeup and are really kind of killing themselves. Yeah. And overall, just the whole market of beauty. And I mean, um, I'm sure you remember, but I remember when an Anastasia palette was like, it was like an yeah. event, like when subculture, modern renaissance, glam camera. Yes. Like every single, even the prism, like every single palette was like, it was a freaking mm-hmm. event. Everybody was freaking out, excited, filming reviews. And now it's like every week there's a I new know. palette. Every week. And nobody cares anymore. It's just like, okay, another one, another one, another I one. Know. Why? I don't know why we switched. I know. That, but I feel like that really just overwhelmed everybody. Yeah. And uh, it totally. And, and I think that's the thing. People don't always need all these recommendations. I think it's about like educating people in a way and using what you already have. It's even me. I find myself as someone that really likes makeup. I go out and buy, I just friggin' these the other day, like the two flakes. I don't need them. I mean, we're, we're psychos with it. Like I'm, I'm addicted to it. You know, I need to like talk to a therapist about the shop with makeup, but yeah, it's sad to me because it's really hurting the entire industry because it's, quantity over quality. And you know, that, that being said, going forward into the new year or even looking down the future, where do you maybe want to go? Where, where do you see yourself in the long term? Do you want to, uh, you're such a fabulous educator and teacher like masterclasses or, you know, where do you maybe see your career or hope it would go in the next five, 10 years? I have no idea. No clue. Um, no, but yeah, honestly, I don't know because it is such a unique job and I'm grateful for, but a very temporary 
and mm-hmm. fickle one. But thank you. You're very kind. And I mean, I, I definitely would love, I'm going to continue it as long as I can and definitely continue to educate. And my love is always in, um, and always has been in makeup artistry. I went through agencies, other people, creators telling me and, and saying that I have to do lifestyle and I have to branch out. And oh my God, I can't, the amount of times people have been told, told or told me in the past to show more personality, be mm. more authentic, share more about your life. I'm like, it was, it was so much. I'm like, no, my love is in makeup artistry. Yeah. So I know that whether I was doing social media or not, I would be doing working as a makeup artist. Absolutely. I could definitely see myself working with a, mm-hmm. like a brand and maybe, you know, so we don't have to rely on the ups and downs of our own pages, but, you know, work for a company, I think is always an option for any social media creator. Yeah. Um, especially someone like you, you're very, very well-rounded and have like many talents in the fields of mm-hmm. production as well as artistry. So that's such yeah. a, you know, a great combo, especially for beauty brands. But yeah, I would have to say that. I mean, you don't really know what each year is going to be like, but yeah. yeah. So when, and I know too, I read that you, re- I mean, obviously we, we see what you do on social media, but is there more to maybe your uh, photography and videography uh, passion? Is that something, have you done other people or would you want to get into photography or videography, maybe uh, despite your own content, if you haven't already? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, that's what I used to do more of. I mean, I used to film my videos mm-hmm. on a camera and take all my photos on a camera. And that was like my thing. But I, yeah. the last time I posted a photo was yeah. ages because it just performed so poorly and it really like let me down. Yeah. So I gave it up. I would definitely do it on the road. I know like Danessa Myricks, Jordan Liberty, and um, there's a bunch of other really talented makeup artists that do it like together yeah. as, with photography. But yeah, it's hard because I think that, you know, I we see what what does yeah. well and we know what performs well and it's the more casual style. So I don't know if yeah. I'd, I'd pursue it. Yeah. More, but I could definitely yeah. see you like touring, doing master classes, like on stage, like on models, everything else. I think that would be like oh, fabulous. You. Have you done the makeup show? Have you gone to there yet? It's, it's not big, but it's a really great little community. No, I haven't. I really, I haven't done any makeup. Like I, I, when I got my cosmetology license, I went to the hair one in New York city, but I really haven't gone to the makeup show, but I would love to, cause I, I'm going to say, I would love to, to like do that kind of style, like work on models and tour and yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's great to just go as, as like, um, I've just gone as a guest or you, know, you can buy tickets. Um, like the last two times, I'm sure that they would love to have you. It's not a huge group, but it's yeah. all like working artists and it's very, very inspiring. I mean, just getting to watch people, but also see artistry mm-hmm. brands. Um, let's get back into it. And if anyone's going to the Nashville one in June, I'll be doing, I'll be doing a little panel oh, then or not a panel, but like yeah. a little demo. But yeah. It's a great way to connect with yeah. real artists, which I didn't mention earlier, but yeah, there's, there's certainly no one, at least I'm sure it's relatable for you in Jersey, but I don't really have much of any like close mm-hmm. influencer friends because I feel I'm so isolated yeah. from Los Angeles and there's not many in New York, but most, I feel like everybody's mm-hmm. in Los Angeles and I'm just over here on my own. So it is, yeah, certainly no one yeah. around me that does yeah. a similar career. You can relate to that. It's helpful when you kind of go oh. see people. And yeah. People. Yeah. Cause that's the thing you feel yeah. like insane. Like you, like you're locked in your bedroom just doing this all day. And it's, it's, it is very isolating. When I was graduating high school, my guidance counselors almost talked to me in a way where if I said I wasn't going to college or I didn't know what I want to do, I mean, they looked at me as though I was like accepting a life of homelessness. Like it was just like, what do you mean? And Gen Z, they're almost calling the bluff of the entire system in the sense that like they saw everybody above them, everybody go to college. That was what you had to do. And 
Then we kind of have been in a pseudo recession for the past 20 years and a bachelor's degree is watered down and it's not even like working for most people. And it's so difficult that I think you are much more brave to just say like, no, look what I can do here. Look what I can create on my own. What kind of gave you the uh, motivation or bravery? Obviously, I know you had the following already, but to, to maybe commit to that or, or do that, take your own path. It's worse to go and, and worse to force yourself to do something that you know you don't want to do or you're not going to enjoy. Again, if you're not finding any joy with it, why force yourself to go through school and waste the money or yeah. your, your time? You know, your time is valuable. And if you do, maybe if you're thinking of social media as well, I mean, go for marketing, then go for communications, go for something that could maybe help you in the long run. I mean, part of me wishes, you know, I did have a second education just to, to have that. And that's maybe mm -hmm. something I'll go back for someday. You know, I, again, do it whatever makes you happier, whatever fulfills you more as a person, because I mean, we got one life. So yeah, yeah. enjoy it to the, to the fullest extent. And if you have a drive to do makeup, you know, go do makeup. If, if it's hair, if it's something else, if it's, yeah. you know, art, go for it and don't feel pressured to, to fit into a, you know, a normal role. Well, it's difficult because I think our society, our culture, especially in the United States, pushes that it's, you got to do it quick. It's got to be after high school. It's got to be right away. And like, it, it's like, no, it, it will always be there. Go when the time is right. Go when it feels right. Go when it serves you. Go when you're excited about it. And there's people that change careers at 30, 40, 50. I mean, I'm 30 and I just, you know, this happened to me two years ago. I was going to go into corporate cosmetics or into, you know, just a nine to five. And that's the beauty of social media and online is you can really create whatever path you want. But yeah, you, you're the living example of that. I can't believe you started doing this when you're 15. Your stuff is absolutely amazing. I've adored talking with you. You want to tell everybody where they can find you, what you're up to? Sure. Well, thank you so much again for having me. Find me on Instagram, TikTok, just at Trevor Barrett, just my name. Thank you so much for talking to me. I'm so happy to have finally met you in person. We've been like social media ships in the night for a while, but this was amazing. Oh, and I hope you too. have an amazing rest of your day and can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see all the other episodes of the podcast. I'm so excited. Thank you guys so much for watching, listening to a brand new episode of Beautiful and Bothered with me, Johnny Ross. Stay tuned for a brand new episode and a very, very exciting announcement next week. Make sure to follow the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts wherever you get it because it helps so, so much you don't even know. Especially subscribing to the Beautiful and Bothered YouTube channel for weekly video episodes. I love doing the podcast so much and you guys following it on streaming services and subscribing to the channel really is going to help me take this to the next level. Exciting stuff in the works. And give us a little five-star review if you can. I so appreciate you spending this time with me each week. Wherever you are, I hope you are happy, safe, and healthy. And remember, you are beautiful. Bye, guys.